The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. talks about something this morning, I want to get into the word, concerning some of the ministry that took place when uh, Nigel was here. I want to talk about prophesying, but I want to talk about it with this in mind. How many of you made the Sunday night meeting? We've got a few hands up. Sunday night. Sunday night was the uh, uh, anointing with oil service. Do I have that right? That wasn't Monday night, that was Sunday night, right? You've got to forgive me because my days can get a little blurred. But I remember the, the meeting with the anointing of oil and the intention and the purpose of that was to activate things, right? To stir things that are inside of us. Now, here's how things can work when you have guests in and ministers in. A lot of times there can be an anticipation that this person does this or this person does that. When in reality, God has called us to do things. So when Nigel was doing that, he was believing God for a great impartation in people but he was believing for it not to be an experience, a one-time experience of, wow, I really felt something there that was great. But for it to be like turning on a light switch, where then the lights are on, you know, to activate something. And I want to talk about something specifically because to me it applies to everyone. I mean, the Apostle Paul wrote in the scripture about prophesying, and he said that it was God's will, it was his desire as he prayed, as he was in intercession for the church, that we all would prophesy. That's what he said, oh, that you all would prophesy. And I want to talk about what that is, what it means, and why it's important that we take note of that. I mean, if something is so important that God says, I want every Christian to be doing this, we really ought to take notice. And we shouldn't leave that to a guest speaker or a pastor or one person to kind of fill that role in our life. God is obviously calling all of us to function and operate in this. And I want to take a look at why. And I think we're going to find out some wonderful things in the Word this morning. I want to give you a few things to look for as we get into the Word. Some of these things may sound familiar to us. Some of them may be completely foreign to us. But I want to encourage you to pay attention. Because you could live your whole life as a Christian and not get this and be really, really affected in a negative way. If God has made this a priority, if He's called it important and He wants everyone to do it, I think we ought to find out what it is and how we can get this into our lives. So if you're taking notes, which we strongly encourage here, I want you to jot down a few things, things that we can look forward to. One, what we need in order to live. What we need in order to live, not just to be alive, not just to have a heartbeat, you know, a pulse, and, and be able you know, to pass the fog on the mirror test, but what we need to actually live the life that God has called us to live. That life that, that is described as Jesus as abundant life. What we need in order to live. The second thing we're going to find is Jesus's, try saying Jesus's. That's weird, isn't it? Jesus's. How about Yeshua's? That sounds, that flows a little better, doesn't it? We're going to find out Jesus's testimony. And then a third thing that we're going to find is what we need to talk to. I'm not crazy. What we need to talk to. How many of you talk to yourself? I didn't realize I talk to myself until I work by myself. And when I'm working by myself, I'm constantly talking about what it is I'm doing, you know. And I'll talk to weird things, you know. I'll, I'll talk to nuts and bolts and parts and, you know, 
it's, they're not going to talk back, but for some reason, I talked to them. We're going to find out what, not who, but what we need to talk to. Uh, we're going to jump right into this. We're going to talk about prophesying. So uh, I want to talk about the word prophecy really quick. And, and let me just share a couple of things, kind of shooting from the hip, right? There's a mass confusion in the church concerning prophecy, and this is a good example that I like to use. You've probably heard it before, and you might think, wow, he really runs that into the ground, but maybe it's just kind of a Texas boy kind of thing, right? Have you noticed that, that Coke is just kind of generic for soda pop? You ever notice that? Like someone will say, hey, you want a Coke? You're like, yeah, bring me a Dr. Pepper, you know? You, you know what I'm talking about, where it just becomes this generic thing where it describes everything. Well, that's kind of how prophecy is, you know, because when we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we see prophecy in there, but it's in there with other gifts, other verbal gifts. One of those would be the word of wisdom. Another would be the word of knowledge. A third one would be faith, which a lot of people don't really think of faith being a verbal gift, but faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I mean, that's what the scripture says. And then the other gifts you have there are things like the effecting of miracles and healing and you have uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues and the distinguishing of spirits. I mean, it's all in there. And it's all real. So in this situation, we kind of refer to prophecy as just describing all of those verbal things. If someone gives a word of wisdom, you know, or if someone has a word of knowledge, we'll kind of just call it a prophetic word. Hey, did you hear that prophetic word at church? Let me give you an example of like a, a word, of, of word of knowledge. You know, A word of knowledge would be coming into an awareness that something is going on, but it being just divinely inspired, having no knowledge at all. I mean, if I were just to, to pull somebody out, like, like let's just say Bill, for example. If it was like, Bill, the Lord has told me that this week there's going to be a trial in your life, but that you are to remain patient in everything that you do, that you are to, to be calm, it's not the end of the road, but that God is going to deliver you in a mighty way. You know, it, it can sound like something that's like, well, that's strange, but why is he saying that? Well, God is aware outside of time of something to come. It could also be like this. God's showing me that your knee has been bothering you. He's going to heal your knee today. So well, how did that guy know that? Word of knowledge. It's spirit revealed. Word of wisdom can be what to do with a problem that's being faced. You know, we've got a problem. We don't know what to do. And God can move and, and reveal the solution. You see these things throughout the scripture. In fact, I, I challenge you to do this. Look at every single thing that Jesus does in the scripture. It is one or a combination of those gifts, and that's it. Nothing less, nothing else, nothing more. That's it. That's all. Jesus is walking in the same Holy Spirit, operating in those same gifts. And then you have prophecy. Prophecy is throughout the scripture with the Old Testament prophets and they're revealing things that God is speaking. And I want to give you kind of a definition of prophecy. You know, when Nigel was here, we refer to it as, you know, a prophetic word. If he ministered to, to someone here and, and revealed to them, you know, that, that God was doing something in their life, we would call that a prophetic word. And, and that's not a bad thing. That's like calling every soda a Coke. What, it, what he was operating in that night was the word of knowledge. And that's the gift that he was operating in. Now, the reason for talking about this is I think we should know it. It's kind of like knowing what tools are in your toolbox. You wouldn't call a hammer a screwdriver. You wouldn't call a screwdriver a hammer. You know what they are and you know what their function is. And when you know what they are and you know what their function is, you can build a little bit better. And if you don't know what they are and you don't know what their function is, I don't want to live in the house you're building. 
So it's important for us to look at these things, and I want to talk about prophesying today because we're all supposed to be prophesying. Oh, that you all would prophesy. All means you. All means me. It is absolute in including everyone. So I want to turn to the dictionary, okay? I love using the dictionary. If I, if I could only have a few books in a library, I would want my Bible, I would want a concordance, and I would want a dictionary. Because if we don't understand the words that make up the word, it's going to be hard for us to understand the word that's made up of words. We need to know what they mean. So you look up the word prophesy, and here's what you're, you're going to find, or prophecy, excuse me. There's a few definitions here, and they're all great. But I want us to really pay close attention to the third one. The third one is the one that I want us to catch this morning. The first one was to make inspired declarations of what is to come. To make inspired declarations of what is to come. That's a, a decent definition, but yet the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom could both include those things. So let's look here at a second definition. And you know how the dictionary works. It has a little one and it lists the first one and the two and the second one. These are all ways in which the word can be interpreted and be accurate to how we use it today. A second definition, to speak as a mediator between God and humankind. Well, now we're getting somewhere. Now that's kind of starting to get where we're going when God is saying that he is desiring us all to prophesy. Now I want you to catch this third one. This third one needs to be the foundation for everything we discuss today. And remember, the purpose behind today's message is that anointing of oil service where Nigel was desiring to activate that ministry in our lives. I want us to all prophesy. This third definition, if we're wanting to know what it means as these things are activated in our lives and we begin to operate and function the way that God desires us to, this definition is the one that I want us to, to lay our foundation with this morning. To reveal the will or the message of God. To reveal the will or the message of God. And that definition, we could spend a, a good deal of time, and I don't want to this morning, but we could spend a good deal of time just breaking that down. But, let, I mean, if we did it quickly, just consider that first part, to reveal. To reveal. To reveal, it doesn't mean to create, right? Because if you reveal something, it's already there. It just either can't be seen or it's covered or it's hidden. But all you are doing is making it known. Kind of like when I come home from work and I open the door and I say, Daddy's home, right? I'm, I'm making an entrance. I'm revealing something. Or if I were to take this microphone and cover it with my jacket and then take it out, I would be revealing it. It was there. It was just covered up. It was just not visible. It wasn't out in the open where it could be seen. So when we're prophesying, we are revealing something. We're, we're bringing something that is already there out into the open. And what it, what it is that we're revealing based on the definition that we're celebrating here is the will or the message of God. The will of God, the message of God, these things are already established by God. We don't create them. We don't fabricate them. Those things exist, and they're all confirmed by his word. Everything that he's ever spoken, because he's unchanging, absolutely consistent. But when we are prophesying, we're revealing the word or the message of God. Now we're going to get into the scripture. I told you what we need in order to live. Again, I, I'm, I'm making it very clear. Not just to be alive. Not just to have a heartbeat. 
but to live, to operate in the life that God designed, that abundant life that Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and life in abundance. Let me give you a passage of scripture here from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 20. I want us to pull from this verse, and I want it to be a verse that, that it, it really turns on some lights and rings some bells. I mean, the alarm should go off when we hear this. It's a very severe passage of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 20, it says, you. So who is you? Well, you's me. I mean, like, you is you. <laughs> you. So when you read this, you have to just realize, I'm not reading something that was written to someone else a long time ago. This is talking to me. It's communicating directly to me. You will perish if, that if is conditional. So perishing is not something that's absolute. It's not something that, that is destiny or, or fate in any way. God doesn't operate like that. This is absolutely conditional. You will perish if, if you will not listen to the voice of the Lord. Now, throughout the Old Testament, you see something. You'll see something, and I encourage you, you can do your own word study in your own time, but you'll hear God speaking, and he'll use that wording right there. He'll say, if you listen to the Lord and obey his commandments. If you will listen to the Lord and obey his commandments. Now, a lot of people will build a, a doctrine or a mentality that that is one instruction with two parts. But I want to offer to you today that's two instructions. I mean, God's commandments are written out and we're called to function and operate to live a life by grace, empowered by the Spirit of God, live a life that pleases God. But if we come to the place where that's it, where we're not in fellowship with Him, <clears throat> where His voice has no role in our life, how can we possibly be led by Him if we can't hear His direction? So listening to the voice of the Lord is an important thing, and we're going to find that it's a necessity, it's a priority as we begin to prophesy as God's called us all to do. I want to give you another passage of Scripture, Psalm 119, verse 116. It's a cry, it's a, it's a prayer, it's a declaration to God for, for sustenance, to sustain. That means keep me alive, keep me from perishing, keep me from dying. Sustain me, God, according to your word so that I may live. The Word of God being in our lives is a necessity. There's benefits to hearing God's voice. I want to just give you a few of these things really quickly. I mean, Exodus 15.26 has another conditional point. Exodus 15.26 reads like this, If you'll listen to the voice of the Lord God and do what He says, He'll put none of the diseases which He put on the Egyptians upon us. For I, the Lord, am your healer. I mean, it's where we get like this banner over here, that God is our healer. You see Jehovah or Yahweh is what it would be, Rapha. Deuteronomy 15.46 speaks of prosperity. There, there will be no poor among you, for the Lord will bless you if only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God. The Lord will bless you as he has promised you. We don't interpret that verse by today's standards of what's wealth and what's not wealthy. I mean, just understand that God will prosper those who are led by his voice. He's leading us out of poverty and into prosperity. He's taking away everything that is a hindrance and imparting everything that uplifts. Joshua 5 verse 6. 
For the sons of men walked 40 years in the wilderness until all of the nation, that is, all of the men who came out of Egypt, perished because, will you say because? Because, this is the reason why they perished, because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord. I mean, when you consider this story, and it's history, I mean, it happened, it's recorded, it's documented, you cannot deny it. I mean, that thing is carved in stone, that piece of history is real. These people wandered around for years, all because they didn't listen to the voice of God. What that tells me is that when I don't listen to the voice of the Lord, my purpose is hindered. I can spend my life spinning my wheels, walking in circles, not getting where I'm supposed to go. And if you really want to go nuts and look at that story, where they were going to was the promises of God, and they never got there. If we won't listen to the voice of God, it will affect our ability to get to and obtain and live in and walk in the promises of God. We need to be listeners. I want to give you another one here, Exodus 23, 22. If you will obey his voice, God's voice, and do all that he says, he will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. Sign me up for that. But what a thing to consider the conditional point there, if I'll listen to his voice. So now it may be a little bit uh, humiliating to admit something. If I take this and I consider, God, what does that mean? I mean, how do I apply that? Sometimes when seeking out wisdom, and and you find it in the most practical of forms, I started thinking about my life at home. You know, if I were to just say, what is it when I listen to the voice of my wife? What is it when she listens to my voice? I mean, what is it when my children listen to my voice? Practically, what is required for that to happen so that I can see all of those pieces that mechanically make that function and apply them to my relationship with God? I mean, you can take a moment and let the wheels turn. How do we listen? What's required to listen? Well, first of all, you have to acknowledge that someone's talking. And a large portion of the body of Christ and a large portion of the world refuses to to even consider that God would talk to his people. If we don't acknowledge that God speaks, then we're never going to be able to listen. That doesn't mean that you'll never hear his voice. Because I promise you, in the midst of my rebellion, in my darkest hour, when there was absolutely no good, no godliness in me at all, I heard him by his mercy and by his grace. And it was in hearing him then that I began to listen. So when we consider listening, we have to start with the idea, the fact. We have to come into a place, whether we've ever heard him before or not, where we say, you know what? Here is the point right here in my life where I believe God speaks to his people. I'm going to make that a fact in my mind and in my heart. That is a truth that God speaks. And I will do what his word says to to turn my ear toward him because I know that he speaks. We've got to be able to listen. Now I want to give you a couple of things that will prevent your ability to listen to God. There's a couple of things that that can get in the way. I mean, even if we come to the point where we we put our foot down and we say, you know what, I believe that you speak. There's some stuff that if it's in our life, it's going to make it hard. If you want to write this down, I would encourage it. 
Psalm 115. I, I have to say, if I had to, to pick a, a, just a really amazing favorite portion of the Psalms, it would be right here. And it's a stretch, and it's hard for me to say that because so much of the Psalms is, is rich with, with poetry and song and, and, and just the most artistic and beautiful uh, descriptions of God and His love and affection for us, His power and His authority. But, but this is an area of Scripture that I constantly find myself coming back to. It, it's almost like if you were to dig a well, and that well just had the sweetest water. This passage of Scripture ministers to me. It directs my steps, and I hope that it does the same for you. It talks about idols and idolatry. And the psalmist is writing these things down. He, he's writing about how God is to be glorified, and he, he breaks off into talking about idolatry. And as he's talking about idols, he says that they're silver and gold. They're the works of men's hands. I mean, for, I, I, for a, a portion of my life, money could be an idol or even work could be an idol. They're silver and gold. They're the works of man's hands. And it goes on to describe them. It says that they have eyes, but they can't see. And, and they have you know, a, a nose and can't smell. And they have hands and can't feel and feet, but can't move. They have all of these things that, that have the appearance of being able to function, but yet there's no function. And one of those is they have ears and they can't hear. And then here's where it really affects my life. Here's where this passage of Scripture stands out from being this kind of strange description of false gods. This is where the rubber meets the road and why it's a personal favorite because it has affected how I live. The passage goes on to say, and those who make them will become like them and all who serve them. Which means as a Christian, if I step into the church and I say, wow, I believe that Jesus is Lord, but yet I'm following after other things. Other things are coming first in my life. I'll have eyes, but I can't see. I have no vision. I have a nose, but can't smell. I'll have no discernment whatsoever of what's true and what's false. I'll be led by anything that comes across social media or any other platform. I'll have hands, but they won't function. And let me tell you something, all you have to do is walk down the altar with a guy like Nigel and think, why don't my hands do that? I'm being goofy about that, by the way. I'll have feet, but they don't move. I'll have all of these things that appear like they ought to be able to function, but there won't be any function. I'll have ears, but I won't be able to hear. If we're going to be listening to God, we need to search our heart for idols. The psalmist prayed a prayer, and it's a beautiful prayer. He asked God to do a search. And it's really the kind of prayer that we shouldn't just read and maybe underline in our Bible, you know, as, wow, that's pretty cool. But we ought, to, we ought to adopt it. We ought to take it in and say, that is something that I want to make a part of my life. He prayed and he asked God, search me, O Lord. Search me, O Lord. Examine my heart. He asked that every sin would be uncovered and revealed. You ever prayed that? I recommend it. You might not like the results immediately, but in the long run, you're going to love it. Search me, O Lord. Search me, O Lord. Let all that's in my heart be revealed. And when God is revealing the things that need to go, we can have the opportunity to respond and cast those things down, opening up our ears to hear, opening up our eyes to see, loosing our hands to function and our feet to move that we can actually do the things that God would call us to do. 
Now, here's another hindrance to listening to God's voice. I'll give it to you out of the scripture here, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 15. Now, there's a whole narrative here that you're welcome to read in your own time, but the principle is going to apply to all of us. I mean, there comes a point where you can just simply be rebellious to God. The scripture reads like this, If you won't listen to the voice of the Lord, but you rebel against His voice, then the hand of the Lord will be against you. When God is speaking and we just simply choose to not listen to it. You know, I feel a conviction in my life that I shouldn't live this way. I shouldn't run with that crowd. I shouldn't be stuck in that rut. I shouldn't do those things. But, you know, God's merciful. I, I think he can find the grace for me to have my cake and eat it too. That will shut off the voice of the Lord. And honestly, according to the scripture, it will make him be against us because he opposes the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. So remember, we're going to talk about prophecy here. We're setting the platform. We've got to be able to say that God speaks. Because when we are prophesying, we are revealing the will of God. We need to hear the will of God. We need to hear the message of God. And then reveal it. So it's two parts. One is hearing or perceiving. The other is speaking or releasing. The reason why it's important for us to do this is because God's word is successful in absolutely everything. I mean, we all have situations, we all have circumstances where we're needing to see success. It could be in marriage, it could be in family, it could be in ministry, it could be in business, it could be in relationships, it could be in anything we desire to see success. I want to give you a passage of scripture here, why it's so important that we find out what God says about a matter and then reveal it while we find out what God's will is about a matter, and then we reveal it. Why we should prophesy. Isaiah 40, verse 8, it reads like this, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word that God speaks will stand forever. Isaiah 55, verse 11, it reads like this, The word which goes from the mouth of God will not return empty. It will accomplish what God desires, And it will succeed in the matter for which it was sent. So if I'm dealing with problems in my marriage, or if I'm dealing with problems with my children, or if I'm dealing with problems in my workplace, if I'm dealing with problems in my fill-in-the-blank, if I'm dealing with problems in these situations, I could sit and I could begin to ponder of all the possible solutions, you know. Well... My kids just need this, or my wife just needs that, or I just need to go here, or I need to do that. But when we find out that the Word of God brings success into everything for which it's sent into, what we ought to be starting with is, I need to find out what God says about this. I need to find out what God says about this situation in my marriage. I need to find out what God says about this situation with my children. I need to find out what God says about this situation in my workplace. I need to find out what God says about this situation in my ministry. I need to find out what God says about this situation going on in my mind. I need to find out what God says. Because if I can find out what God says, then I'll have what it takes to see that released into the situation, and it guarantees success. It'll never return empty. It will always accomplish what it was set out to accomplish. Can you imagine if somebody wrote a book 
And it was guaranteed to fix any problem. How many copies of that book do you think would sell? I mean, seriously. If somebody wrote a book and it was, you know, hey, listen, you got financial problems. If you buy my book, you'll be a millionaire in a week. Guaranteed. It will succeed. It, you, this book, no money back guarantee because you're not going to need it. It's guaranteed to bring success. Man, that thing would fly off the shelf. And anyone who didn't buy one would probably steal one. But we have something as believers that we need to recognize. This isn't just some passage of Scripture that's meant to help us cope with problems. This is a truth. And if we can embrace it as a truth and stand firm upon it like it is the foundation beneath our feet, if we can come to the place where we say, we realize, God, that your word is the perfect solution for any problem, any situation, and I'm not going to move on that problem until I have your word concerning that problem, we might find some serious success. So what is your will? What is your message concerning blank so that I might step into blank and reveal it? So that I might prophesy. Reveal to me your word concerning my marriage. Reveal to me your will concerning my marriage so that I might sit with my wife and reveal it and therefore prophesy. Oh, that you all would prophesy to reveal the message or the will of God. So how do we get that word? How do we get that message? How do we obtain God's will? I want to offer this as a thought, and, and it's, it's going to come with Scripture to back it. I'm going to give you what it is, but I don't want you to check out. Because oftentimes I, I hear this word, and, and it's prejudged, or I'll say this word, and you can tell it's prejudged. But it's prayer. The reason why it can be prejudged and people can, ah, I've heard that before, because maybe we don't understand prayer. I mean, even when we, we pray, I remember as a child, <clears throat> you know, and you would sit in the classroom in Sunday school, you know, you'd offer your prayer, and it was almost like you were writing letters home from camp. Dear God, well, things are pretty rough. Could use some help. Please send candy. Yours truly, Preston. And you know, I mean, people pray different. And let me tell you something. You can crush someone by correcting or critiquing their prayer life. Don't do that. People are unique. They talk differently. But I do know this. When we do pray, it needs to be like we talk. And, you know, you've, you've heard pastors, and I hope that I'm not one of them. If I am, let me know privately. But you'll hear them talk, and you'll hear them speak, and then you'll hear them pray, and it's like they get into character. They'll talk to you, and then it's time to pray, Oh, gracious, mighty, heavenly Father, we give thou thanks. I sat in a meeting one time that uh, we, were, we were, it was, I mean, I was a farm boy, right? So we're, we're there at the co-op, and it's the annual meal before harvest time, and and they probably have a fist fight over who opens with prayer, you know. And the guy that got to open was the, the, this, this, you know, wonderful guy. But he stood up to pray and it was like he started speaking another language. It wasn't like he normally talked. I think he used the word bosom like six times. I'm serious. And I knew, have you ever had one of those moments where, you know, if I make eye contact, I'm going to lose it. 
And so you're just kind of staring down at the table, you know. Think, man, this food sure is getting cold. And you just hear bosom. I think that's all I heard was bosom and amen, you know. But he got to, to where he was praying, and it was like he, he just he didn't even speak the same language. But prayer is, is meant to be conversation. It's not a show. It's not like we're, we're, we've got to strut our stuff like peacocks, like, okay, I'm going to really impress you with this one. You ready? It's conversation. It's communication. Now, here's one of the things that make conversation a conversation, right? It's two ways, isn't it? If you don't have conversation two ways, is it conversation? It's just somebody talking at somebody else. So when we step into prayer, there needs to be an expectation that this is a conversation. This is not me talking at God. Rather, this is me entering into fellowship and communication with God. Everything that He made available, ripping a veil in two to see to it that we could have fellowship. To converse. Let me give you a couple of passages of Scripture, and we're going to move quickly here. So please please pay close attention to this. Psalm 119, verse 169. Let my cry come before you, O Lord, and give me understanding according to your word. I mean, if you just plow through that, it it just reads like another passage out of the Psalms. But stop and think about that. Let my word come before you. That's me talking to you. Let me talk to you, and then give me understanding according to your word. That's you talking back to me. I want everyone in the room to catch that. I mean, if you were even slightly distracted, I'm going to say it again, but I want you to hear it. Let my cry come to you and give me understanding according to your word. It's describing prayer. God's designed for prayer. Let me come before you and you hear my voice and then let me hear yours in response. Our prayers are meant to be conversational. Psalm 119, verse 170, Let my supplication come before you and deliver me according to your word. Once again, two ways. Hear my voice and let me hear yours. Now, I want you to catch this. I mean, if you even have an ounce of fuel left in your tank, dial in for this one right here. Psalm 28, verse 1, To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Don't be deaf to me, for if you're silent to me, I will become like those who go down to the pit. There's two things that he's saying. Don't be deaf to me. That means hear what I'm saying to you. And then don't be silent to me because if you're silent to me, I'm as good as dead. Two things going on there. Me talking to him and him talking back. At any point, if any one of those things is interrupted, it is highly destructive for us here. Father, please hear my voice and let your voice be audible to me. Without your voice, I'm a dead man. Now, we hear these things uh, in the Scripture, things that are exciting, you know. I mean, we talk about the the ministry and functioning and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all those things. I want to talk about why prophesying and why this is important for us to to understand. It's absolutely necessary for us to, to be able to prophesy in order to do the works of Jesus Christ. I mean, without that, you're not going to see much. And generally speaking, that's why it's reserved for a guest or or a pastor, or somebody else, and you don't see it operating throughout the congregation, which is our goal, to see these things throughout the congregation. Prophesying is necessary for it. 
Let me give you a, a couple of passages of Scripture. John 14, 12. I'd like for you to write it down, and I'd really like for you to take it throughout the week and just, you know, maybe read it every morning this week and ask God, uh, make this a reality in my life. Show me, teach me, speak to me how this can become a reality in my life. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he'll do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. Well, you can just write down next to that John 16, because in John 16, Jesus talks about why he goes to the Father. He's going to the Father to send the Holy Ghost. Luke 4.18 talks about the Holy Ghost and the anointing upon our life. I mean... He's opening up, quoting out of Isaiah. Jesus is speaking. He says, the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is upon me because. Not so that we can know we're going to the right church or so that we can feel credentialed as Christians, but because we're meant to do something with it. Because God has anointed us to preach the gospel. He sent us to proclaim release to captives, recovery of sight to blind, to set free the oppressed to proclaim God's favor. Now, throughout the Scripture, you see Jesus doing all of these things. And people are really curious how this works. I mean, wouldn't you be? I mean, I, I remember once after one of the meetings, it was, it was years and years ago, uh, but, but I had uh, traveled with Nigel, and he would ministered, and, and it, was, it took a lot of guts. I, wanted, I walked up to him, and I just said, can I ask you a question? And, and you know, I... I I don't want to sound stupid, but how, do, how does that work? How, how does that work? He answered the question, and, and I'll, maybe I'll, I'll leave you just a little cliffhanger there, but he, he, I'll give you a clue. He revealed the answer even while he was here in the meetings. You might not be aware of it, but he did. And as he, as he was ministering, I had that question, well, imagine traveling with Jesus, being part of the multitude traveling with Jesus, seeing lepers cleansed, seeing the lame stand and walk, seeing the dead raised, seeing food multiplied to feed crowds, seeing all of these things, seeing the storm be calm, seeing all kinds of incredible manifestations of the Spirit of God, those same gifts that we have available to us, watching him operate in the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, watching him operate in faith and in prophecy, watching him operate in healing, in the effecting of miracles, watching him operate in every single one of those things. Don't you know people were wanting to just like, hey, Jesus, I mean, it's not me, it's these guys over here. They're wanting to know how that works. I just told them I'd come ask you, you know, and then go let them know. So can you tell me how that works? People did ask him, and he would answer, and his answer was consistent. He just said, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what I see the Father doing, and I only say what I hear him saying. Now, if I'm anointed and called to function and operate just like Jesus, if you're called and anointed to function and operate just like Jesus, which you are, then we're called to see what God's doing and do it and hear what he's saying and reveal it. We're called to prophesy, to reveal the will of God or the message of God, whether it be verbal or whether it be through our actions. Our call is to find out what God is doing in a situation and bring it to pass. What God is saying to a situation and speak it out. I told you we're going to find out what Jesus' testimony is. Remember saying Jesus's? You can write this down for your notes. Revelation chapter 19 verse 10. 
I mean, all, we, we love Jesus, you know. But we really will never know Jesus until we know this. Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Everything that he does, all that he has ever done that's been recorded, all that he's doing today and all that he ever will do is the spirit of prophecy, meaning it is seeing what the will of God is and then revealing it, hearing what the will of God is and then revealing it. And for us as believers, when God would reveal in the Scripture, oh, that they all would prophesy, it's every single one of us that we might see what the will of God is and then reveal it, that we might hear what the will of God is and then reveal it. It produces incredible victory when we can see what the will of God is, when we can bring the voice of God the will of God, the message of God into any situation, it succeeds. I want to give you a, a series of scriptures here out of Ezekiel. I want you to take it down for your notes, and I want to encourage you to read it in your own time. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. It talks about prophesying. And remember, we're all called to prophesy. Every single one. Our children are called to prophesy. To find what the will of God is and to reveal it. Whether it be through our actions or through our words. Now Ezekiel is faced with a great problem here in Ezekiel chapter 37. He's dealing with something that is absolutely lifeless. I mean you want to see God move among your children you want to see God move among your marriage. You want to see God move in your ministry. You want to see God move in whatever aspect of your life. It can be dead as a doornail. But there's hope. Ezekiel sees a, a valley and, and it's described as being filled with dry bones. I mean dry bones. Bleached white. This, these, these things you know, are not even in a, a position or a state to be recovered or or resuscitated, these things have been dead for a long time. He sees these bones bleached out white. And the question is asked, can these live again? And I mean, I think Ezekiel is a really smart guy because I like his answer. He's, he, he says, oh God, only you know that. I mean, what a safe answer, you know. Only you know that. And then God says something. Instead of just saying, okay, Ezekiel, watch this. Woo! He says something. He, he tells Ezekiel, he says, go to those and prophesy. Go to the bones and prophesy. And go tell them this. So what, what God does is he tells Ezekiel what his will is. He gives Ezekiel his message. And then Ezekiel goes down to the bones and he reveals what God said. God said, tell them to come together. And Ezekiel goes to the bones and he says, hear what God says. God says, come together. And then the word says that there's a noise. The only problem is that's not the right translation. The right translation is then there was a voice. Those bones had laid there and been bleached out by the sun for decades. 
And only until there was a voice did they come together. This world has been waiting for something life-giving for a long time. And only until there's a voice, you, me, going out and revealing the will of God, will they ever rise up. It's God's will. Are we revealing it? So the bones come together. And I mean, I like, this is so visual to me. You just can just imagine seeing these bones coming together. And they stand, and you... Really, you've just got a whole bunch of skeletons standing around. Can you imagine the rattle and the clank and the clatter of all those bones coming together? And don't you know Ezekiel is kind of freaking out? And then God reveals what's next. That they be covered with flesh again. Go reveal to them, Ezekiel, what my will is. So he hears the message of God. He hears the will of God. And then he goes and he reveals it to the problem. And upon revealing it to the problem, there's finally a voice to take what God says and to take it to the problem. That voice brings something to pass. Flesh covers all of the skeletons. And now it's a little less creepy, but they just stand there lifeless. And so God says, let me tell you what my will is now, son. Go and command the breath to enter into them. I mean, read it in your own time. It's an amazing story, but it's more than a story or a piece of history. It's an example. We have things in our lives that are lifeless, that we deem hopeless, that we deem dead. Don't give up on them. Find out what God is saying concerning that matter and then be the voice that's necessary for life to come. He tells Ezekiel, now go and command the winds to enter into them, that breath would enter into them. And Ezekiel goes and says, listen to what the Lord says. The Lord has said, wind from the north and the south, the east, the west, come and enter in. And you see this great army that was once dead, bleached out bones, standing, covered in flesh, and then (gasps) alive. All because there was a voice. What if Ezekiel would have refused to speak to the bones? It wouldn't have changed the will of God. God's will would have been for them to stand, to be whole again, to be restored. But what if there was never a voice? The city of Abilene is no different than those bones. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, am I a voice to this city? Oh, that we all would prophesy. Am I seeking after your will? Am I desiring to know your message for this land so that I can devote my life to revealing it and uncovering it so that what will bring success will be imparted? I want to give you one last passage of Scripture here. I told you we're going to find what we need to talk to. What we need to talk to. I want you to write it down for your notes. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. And much like discussing prayer, making it conversational. Father, hear my voice and let your response be clear to me. Much like revealing that, I hope that this passage of Scripture affects our prayer life. Matthew 17, verse 20. It reads like this. Jesus is speaking and he's giving us very clear direction. He says, you will speak to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. Listen, I can get on board with nothing being impossible for God. 
But when I hear Jesus say that, it kind of rocks my boat. And I realize, oh my, have you empowered my life in marvelous ways. This is incredible. That you would put your very spirit inside of me. I've spent my days crying out to God to do things on my behalf. Father, do this. Father, do that. But He's made a way to put His Spirit in my life so that I can speak to the mountain and it will move. I mentioned before we're going to find what we need to speak to. We need to talk to our problems. We need to talk to our problems. And let me clarify. I don't want us to sit down and have a conversation. So, uh, divorce, how you doing today? We need to address our problems. And what do we address them with? The will or the message of God. I want to go to God and I want to find out what He would say concerning this matter. What He would say to those dry bones. Father, what will you say to that problem that I might go be the voice to address it? I mean, this is the reason why we need to be in the Scripture reading the Word so that we can know what God's will is. I want to know what God's will is for marriage. I want to know what God's will is for my life as a father and for my sons. I want to know what God's will is for the church. I want to be a good pastor. I want to know what God's will is for every aspect of my living so that when I'm faced with problems, I can go to the problem and I can address it with the message or the will of God so that there can be a voice that will bring about victory. And that's prophesying. And oh, that we all would prophesy. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.